The word gospel translates to news that brings joy. But this isn't just any news. A gospel is news that changes a life forever. After being invaded and enslaved by Persia, Greece won two decisive battles at Marathon and Solnus. The Greeks sent out heralds, also called evangelists, to proclaim the good news to the cities. We have fought for you, we have won, and now you're no longer slaves, you're free. The reality is that we are all slaves, slaves to sin and slaves to death. We are slaves in need of good news. Enter Jesus, God's Son, fully God, fully man, bringing news that would change our lives forever. His news was this, I am the divine, come to you to do what you could not do for yourself. I will take what you deserve so you can have what I deserve. You have no idea how much it will cost me, but you also cannot imagine the depths of my love for you. It is a gift that I give freely, so repent. Repent from all the ways you've run from me and follow me. Follow me because I am the only way to eternal life. Follow me because I'm the savior you've been looking for. Follow me because I have authority over everything, yet I have humbled myself for you. Follow me because I died on a cross for you, because I'm your true love and your true life. This is my good news for you. This is my gospel that you have been saved by grace and that you are slaves no more. Man, I, I gotta tell you, I, I, can, I think I can legitimately say that I have heard that message thousands of times throughout my lifetime. I mean, I, I, think, I think at this point in my story, I can say that, that it has been thousands of times that I have heard in some form or another that reality articulated to me or been in discussion about it. The gospel has been something that I have just heard over and over and over and over again. And yet I sit here this morning watching that video that I have watched hundreds of times uh, over, or not hundreds, probably, uh, that's probably an exaggeration, but I tend to do that, so that's okay. Um, many, many times, and yet I sit here and I am equally moved in this moment as I have been every one of those thousand times. Because no matter how many times I hear that message, something inside of me is in awe of the freedom that has become mine as a result of the great work of God that he came to rescue us. Those last lines in that video, it is by, by grace that we have been saved and we are slaves no more. I mean, I, I hear that and I'm like, that, that is incredible. Do you have any idea what that means? Paul writes to uh, churches all over on his uh, journey through the story of the book of Acts and he's writing to different churches as he's established churches and over and over again he, he writes about this freedom because it is a central idea to the incredible good news of the gospel. Uh, he writes in Romans chapter 5 and he says, we, we were once slaves to sin and death. 
death, but we are now slaves to righteousness and life. And he goes, this is what the gospel has done. The good news that Jesus has come to rescue us, this is what it's done. It has moved us from being enslaved to death and darkness, and it has changed us to being enslaved, captivated by, stuck with life and light and freedom. And that, that's a big deal. Paul, Paul writes to the church in Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, and he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. For freedom. I mean, we've been following Paul through the book of Acts, right? I mean, over the last few months and watching Paul and Barnabas go from town to town and, and, and dealing with hundreds of different kinds of people and circumstances. And so each time it, it just looks a little different. Sometimes it goes really well. Sometimes it goes really badly. Sometimes they are worshipped like gods and sometimes they are uh, enemies trying to be stoned to death. And, and here's what we find about Paul. No matter where he is, no matter the circumstance, no matter the people, no matter the town, the same story ends every time. Paul tells him about the gospel. Every time he comes back to the gospel, he says, I gotta, I gotta tell you something that I've discovered that is huge and you need to hear it and you need to know it. As a matter of fact, Paul writes to the church in Corinth a uh, little uh, later on in his journey, we'll get to there, and in his first letter to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he writes these words. I want you to listen to them because they kind of give us an idea of the central importance of the gospel of Jesus Christ in Paul's mind as we walk through our lives. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. It's on page 624 in case you're interested in going there in the Bibles we provide. Now, I would remind you, brothers, Paul writes, of the gospel I preached to you which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. So it's like, this gospel isn't just a message, it's a reality, it's a revelation. It is a power, and it is what you received, what you now stand in, and what is continually saving you, even as we speak. Listen to this. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now listen. For I delivered to you as of first importance... What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared uh, to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, to, the, to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though uh, it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. So here's what Paul says, right? I, I have experienced the grace of God. I have experienced the encounter of the gospel that rescued even a guy like me. Though I was wholly unworthy of any kind of rescue, I was literally, literally an enemy of God in the way I was living my life. And yet he didn't only rescue me, he gives me this mission and he calls me. And so now, whether it is I who preach the gospel to you or someone else who preached the gospel to you, here's the point. 
The gospel must be central in every way. It is central. It is of first importance. And if you forget everything else in life, don't forget this. So Paul said, we've got, we got, we got to celebrate the gospel. We've got, we got to stare into the gospel. We've got to remember the gospel. And what is the gospel? The good news that Jesus Christ came to rescue us. We have our baptism weekend, and so as we step into baptisms, baptisms give us a unique opportunity to kind of hit the pause button on whatever journey we're on. Not that the gospel doesn't flow through that journey every day, but we kind of hit the pause button. We kind of go, whoa, whoa, let's just focus on the gospel and celebrate the wonder of what Jesus is up to, what he has done, what he is doing, what he will do, how the spirit of God is moving in us and through us and among us and around us so that we are reminded of the wonder of the gospel. It gives us a great opportunity for that. So that's exactly what we're going to do. And when we celebrate the gospel, our tendency, rightly so, is to gravitate first and foremost to the message of the gospel, the revelation of the gospel. In other words, that thing that we discovered when the gospel was shared with us or when we read about it, that we're like, oh, that's the good news. And we celebrate that good news, sort of the, the, the big scope of the gospel. Jesus Jesus came for our story to rescue us, and we get to celebrate that, and we celebrate that by staring back into that revelation, that good news. And there's multiple, multiple places in Scripture where you can do that. I tend to gravitate to the ones that resonate most with me, and since we're traveling with Paul right now, I tend to gravitate towards some of the stuff he's writing, and then Peter, some of the stuff he's writing. And, and there is a passage that Paul writes that you You've heard from me so many times, I think we've all stopped counting, but frankly, until the day we die, I hope I keep reading it over and over again, because it is an unbelievable passage that unpacks the raw wonder of the great news that we were rescued. It tells us who we were, and then it tells us who we are, and it's extraordinary. Uh, in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes these words, and here is the great news of the gospel, what we get to celebrate once again. Chapter 2, verse 1, page 634 of our Bibles. Here it goes. And you were dead in the transgressions and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Uh, let's hear that again, right? I mean, we were dead. We were chasing after the passions of our flesh, our minds, our bodies. We were wanting what was ours. And it's not talking about individuals here. It's putting us all in the same boat. If you happen to come to Jesus when you were two, well, you probably didn't chase after the desires of your flesh most of your life, but you would have if you didn't know Jesus. See, what this is saying is our, all of our ends are the same. If, if we don't have the grace of God through the great news of the gospel, we all live this life. But look at, look at this. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And there, there is the good news. There is the great news, the gospel. It is extraordinary. Peter, 
writes a letter a little later on um, in his journey as well. And uh, in his first letter that he writes, Peter describes a very similar uh, a picture of the gospel uh, in his first letter, 1 Peter. And he writes in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Listen to this. This adds a, another component to the wonder of the gospel and demonstrates to us that when we recognize what the gospel is in our lives, it begins to shape the way we live and see and experience life in its totality. 1 Peter chapter 1, page 656, if you're following along. In verse 3, it says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. This is literally what the passage is saying. Listen to this, right? He came and rescued you into a redeemed story in eternity where the full inheritance that is yours you cannot begin to imagine. Now watch this. And he is guarding your salvation for you with the faith he planted in you that he authored and that he will finish. You're like, what? He's like, look here, I'm just telling you you're safe. I'm just telling you I came for you. I'm just telling you I've got you. I'm just telling you I've rescued you. You're like, what do I need to do? Here's the, here's the good news. You were once slaves, and now you are free. Listen, Peter doesn't stop there. Listen to this. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes through, through, um, through it is, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here's, here's what Peter says. Here's, here's the incredible news of the, of the gospel. Not only is your soul rescued by an gr- act of grace and, and mercy and love on God's part, but now... We rejoice in that freedom, and when we live on this planet, even if for a time, if necessary, difficult trouble comes our way because we either experience the realities of planet Earth that's thrown at us, or we step into mission in some way, here's what he says. Even those circumstances are powerless to affect your faith in a way that's negative, though you might feel that way sometimes, because here's what I'm doing. Even the suffering is testing the genuineness of your faith, and it doesn't mean like I'm testing you. It means I'm revealing to you the genuineness of your faith. I'm showing you how awesome it is that I've authored in your faith, and I'm going to finish it. And so here's the crazy part. If things are going well, awesome, rejoice that your freedom isn't only temporary it is eternal and if things are going badly rejoice that your faith is going to show itself genuine guarding you for salvation and you're all set the enemy has lost the game in every way this is the great news of the gospel this is what we celebrate and we ought to celebrate this every day because we forget it when we stand and we stare into the great revelation of the good news of the gospel it is extraordinary 
that we were created by God as a human race, as a story, to know him fully, to know his freedom fully, to know everything about him fully, and then to live that out, expressing that to one another and to all of creation, that we would know God and make him known, that we would have his freedom and image his character around us. It was a beautiful story. We were convinced by our enemy and God's enemy that writing our own story and following our own destiny and becoming our own gods to be like God was a better story than his crazy story. We bought into that lie. We ate of the forbidden fruit. And instead of finding divinity, death came to us. And shackles were shackled around our our hearts and, and we became enslaved to death and darkness and sin and chased after it. And in that, uh, Solomon writes and says, you became people like uh, the chase after the wind. You, you claw for anything and everything that will fulfill your life, that will make things better, that will make you gods, and, and yet that slips through your fingers like wind. And that was our destiny. But God did not abandon us just because we abandoned him. In fact, he promised us early in our story, I am coming for you. And when I'm done, the whole story will be rewritten, past, present, and future. And then he came. He didn't just promise. He came. God, the creator and sustainer in flesh and blood, showed up on our planet in Jesus Christ. Jesus walked among us, lived an incredible life that we should have lived, died a horrible death. We should have died and was separated from the Father as we ought to be, taking on what was ours so that we could have what was his and rose from the dead to show us that he conquers death in us. And in that moment, he rescued our souls from a horrible end. He restored our purpose on planet Earth from being chasers of the wind to significant image bearers of the creator once again, allowing us in every circumstance, relationship, and resource to utilize those uh, to bear the name of Christ and to say, look, God is good. And he redeemed our future. He, he rescues our soul. He restores our purpose. He redeems our future. And he goes, here, you're, you're free. You're free. The world throws a lot at you. I get it, but do not be afraid because you are free. Unthinkable, extraordinary, unbelievable. And that would be enough. If we're going to celebrate the gospel, that's enough, isn't it? That's enough. But here's the crazy part about the gospel, about Jesus in general and everything he does. He is never just enough. He is always more than enough. So the gospel says it's enough that that revelation is all you need to know and all you need to celebrate. But the gospel, as we travel through the story of scripture and even in our everyday lives, we realize the gospel is not just an intellectual understanding of an incredible rescue that has taken place that has set us up for a redeemed future, but it is a felt, experienced reality that actually affects the day-to-day lives of real people like you and me in so many ways, internally and externally. Throughout scripture, we always see the gospel declared and revealed and explained and unpacked but also demonstrated and felt and experienced and ironically in our human story though we celebrate the great revelation of the bigness of the gospel it is oftentimes in the small moments of the gospel that we are most stirred by the gospel going wow that's what freedom looks like that's what it feels like just travel through the New Testament alone, just even the time of Jesus. I mean, if we just took the time of Jesus, you got Genesis to Revelation we could go through, but let's just take Jesus' life. He shows up on planet Earth, he's walking around, and people collide with him. Remember, remember the lepers? And these guys, 
diseased externally in so many ways, cast out, unclean, untouchable, contagious. I mean, their life, the second they had leprosy, the nightmare began. And then they see Jesus from a distance and they're keeping their distance. The disciples are like, lepers! And they're shouting to him, hey, I just want to do it. see you, just want to talk to you. And Jesus, instead of shrinking back and going, guys, whoa, whoa, over there, we see this rabbi enter into the fray, into, into the war zone, walk right into leprosy. And you're like, what is he doing? And it's in moments like that that suddenly you see a conversation take place, a touch, a moment, a a scent, reality, go go there, do this, come here, let me touch you here. And suddenly these lepers who were bound and dead and enslaved by their leprosy, just like that, they walk away from the story free. Every time there is a collision with Jesus, it moves from bondage to freedom. And we stand there and we just watch, what what just happened? The unclean didn't, didn't affect Jesus, but Jesus affected the unclean. Is, is there a new power? Is life stronger than death? In Christ it is. In Christ it is. You remember the centurion? I mean, he's not even a Jewish guy, right? He's got no business with the rabbi. One of his servants is really, really sick. And, and, and he talks to the Jewish uh, elders and says, could you go to your rabbi, I've heard he's powerful, and ask him if he wouldn't mind healing my servant. And this guy doesn't even really understand anything. And they go to Jesus and like, could you do this? This guy's really loved our nation and he's been good to us and it'd be really helpful. It's kind of a strategic deal. And then Jesus is on his way to the house and, and he sends some people and don't come to the house, the center, and says, I, I get it, you're Jewish, I'm, I'm, I'm Gentile, I don't need you here. I'm sure you can heal him from a distance. And Jesus goes, man, watch, you watch this. And they return to the house and the, and the servant is healed. And we just go, centurions? A Roman centurion? And, and Jesus goes, I'm here to set everyone free. The gospel is here to set every person I intend to set free, free. Remember the woman who um, was in the funeral? Only son, just passed, she's a widow. She has no future left, he was her provider. And Jesus walks into the town. He walks into the town. Nobody comes to Jesus. Could you raise the dead? Could you, could you make him better? There's just a funeral procession and there's a widow. And it says in the scriptures, Jesus had compassion on this widow. And he walks up to the dead guy. And he goes, would you mind just getting up and going back and helping your mom? Didn't say it quite that way, but that's the way I would have said it. <laughs> and the son raises from the dead just like that. Jesus walks into a story. And, and nobody even knows that he's there to do rescuing and he just touches something and dead becomes life. Remember the woman who had been bleeding for a long, long time? Was uh, hopeless, had probably tried everything that she knows how to try. She's in a crowd. Uh, Jesus is shuffling his way through. Everyone's crowding in. And, and she remembers in her mind the prophecy that when the Messiah comes in the wings uh, of his cloak, there will be power. And on the Jewish cloaks, we have these little, these little pieces that come down that hang down, little tassels, and they're called the wings. And so she believes. She goes, this is the Messiah, and there's power in the wings of his cloak. I don't even need him to engage with me. I just need a touch from his power, and I'll be healed. And so she sneaks up, and she touches the edge of his cloak, the wing, and suddenly, bam, she is well. You think Jesus didn't know that was happening? Of course he knew, but he needed us to see this story. Otherwise, it would have faded into history and no one would have ever known. So he goes, everybody stop. 
Somebody just touched me and some power went out. Who was it? It wasn't like, what? It's what I do with my kids a lot. All right, who just ate the cookies? Right, you're like, I know I'm just asking the question because we need some revelation going on here. And so Jesus, uh, Jesus says, what happened? Everything stops, and now that story is in the scriptures for us. Why is it there? Because a woman came into that story bound, and she walked out of that story free. Remember the woman at the well? Remember that one? Sneaks in late after everyone's left because even in the liberal Samaritan world, she was insane. Five guys that she'd been with, she comes, she's embarrassed, and to her nightmare scenario, she gets to the well, and there's a Jewish rabbi. I mean, that's like worst case scenario. I bet for a second she thought to herself, day couldn't get worse. In fact, month couldn't get worse. This is as bad as it gets. She had no idea that when she walked into that story, she would walk in bound, broken, shamed, and she would walk out free, free. This is the gospel. This is what it does. This is what Jesus does. Remember Zacchaeus? Only man with the a wonderful title of chief tax collector. Then I bothered to go, this isn't a tax collector, those guys are nothing. This is the chief among them. This is the alpha, the one you go kill if you want to kill the tax collectors. I mean, this is the bad guy. And he's in the bad town of Jericho where all the taxes are collected. And he's, he's climbing a tree to just see Jesus because he happens to be a short guy. And Jesus takes him home to Zacchaeus' house. And Zacchaeus walks into his house, a bound man, a broken man, a shamed man. And he walks out of that house a free man. We get to listen in to the window going, oh, what is he saying? What is he saying? And we hear little bits and pieces of the conversation scripture. And when Zacchaeus walks out, his whole life has changed. This is what the gospel does. The woman caught in adultery, remember her? Dragged into the streets to be embarrassed and shamed. And she, when she's dragged in there, she's dragged shamed, broken, and about to die by stoning. And her story ends this way with Jesus down on one knee looking at her in the eye saying, young lady, has anyone condemned you here? She looks around and there's no one, just Jesus. And she goes, no, sir, doesn't look like it. And he goes, neither do I. You are free. Your sins are forgiven. Now go and live free. Don't sin anymore. She walked into that story dead. She walked out alive. This is the nature of the gospel. He even does it to his disciples. Peter denies him when it counted most and figures his story is over. I followed Jesus to the very end and then failed. Failed miserably. Have you ever failed God miserably? Oh yeah. And what does God do? He gets on a beach with Peter and he goes, Pete, chill out, man. What is your deal? I already told you at dinner it was gonna happen. It wasn't a surprise to me. It shouldn't have been a surprise to you. We already got the story written, so do you love me? Important question. Of course I do. Great. Go feed my sheep. You sure you love me? Yes, I, I do. Great. Do you love me? Of, wh why are you asking me? Because I need you to remember that. Because of course you love me. You, you love me. You, you don't need to fret so much. You're going to fail me. But the gospel's always bigger than that. Always bigger than that. Wherever we bump into the gospel, we bump into freedom. 
So when we celebrate the gospel, we celebrate the revelation of the gospel, the declaration of the gospel, the message of the gospel, which is unbelievable. And we celebrate the demonstration of the gospel, the reality of the gospel as it is felt in each of our human stories, that God has rescued us because he came for us and that all of our stories end in the same place as we are rescued, that he rescues our soul, restores our purpose, redeems our future, and that's your story and my story and our story if we know Jesus because he's come for us. But yet simultaneously, the way that that rescue took place and the way the journey into the sanctifying process, that process of making us like Christ takes place is different for every one of us here. And both are beautiful. And baptism is the collision of both those worlds, isn't it? In baptism, we get to be reminded of the great work of the good news of Jesus, of the Spirit of God, of the Father coming for us. And we are all reminded as we watch people step into the baptism experience and obey Christ in a public declaration, we get to watch them and we are reminded ourselves, wow, that's right, it it rescued then, it's rescuing now, Jesus is so (laughs) awesome. And we are reminded of our rescue and we are stirred. But then we also get to hear the stories the individual way by which the Spirit of God shaped these people. And we are reminded of the delicate and wondrous way He shaped us, different from everybody else. And we get to stand in awe that Jesus doesn't care about us as a human race. He cares about you as a person and me as a person. And because He cares about so many of us, it affects the human story, doesn't it? This is the good news. This is our freedom. This is what we celebrate. And my prayer for you this weekend is when you leave here, that you would walk back into that world out there, unpredictable in all of its ways, with circumstances that soar as high as mountains and dig down as deep as the darkest valleys, with things that will happen to you and I no matter how we swing it that will be awesome and terrible, circumstances, relationships, and resources that will be full and lacking at different times. And that we would walk into that life and as Peter so beautifully put it, that though we suffer if necessary for a time, we rejoice in this, that even our suffering is accomplishing the work of God in us. Guarding us for salvation by testing and revealing the genuineness of our faith so that we might be free every day. And this is our story now. Come world, come, come enemy, come mission. Come try and crush me, come try and sink me. Oh, it'll feel that way many days, yes it will. But as I feel crushed under the weight of this world, I will rejoice in there, in that place because I once again am reminded of the great news of Jesus, the gospel, that he has rescued my soul, that he has restored my purpose, and that he has redeemed my future. I will fear nothing, because there is nothing in this world or any other world that I need to fear because Jesus is bigger than all of it. Let's pray.
God, as we enter into these baptism stories now, would you just use them to stir us up, to spur us on and to send us out, reminded of your great news, the gospel of Jesus, reminded that we have you, Spirit of God, and that we are free in everything we will face today and this week and this month and this year. And as we listen to the stories coming out of this moment of baptism, would you remind us of our own story where you rescued us and what you dragged us out of or what you saved us from by rescuing us. We love you. We're in awe of you. You are amazing. We pray in Jesus' name.